Hey everybody, what's up, what's good? I'm Amari Daniel and you're listening to Safety Meeting Food Podcast. Thanks for checking us out again on a lovely day, a beautiful day, and a great day to learn a new hack. And some may have seen this already, some may not, but I hear it's the avocado hack of a lifetime. I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm looking forward to it because... The way that pickup is set up out here, if you want to do a little curbside pickup, they just grab your avocados and go. They don't they don't look at them or check them or really handle them with care if you ask me. And I don't know what it is, but I need my avocados to come in a certain condition. You know what I mean? Before before they get to me. Um, so this avocado hack. Apparently, you go to the store, like I said, you grab your couple, bring them home. Let them, you know, if they're not already ripe, let them sit out for a little bit till they get to the right ripeness. But then you'll put them in cold water or put them in water in a jar and stick that in the fridge. Apparently, you're able to take it from the fridge. Let's say three, four, two, whatever, weeks later, (laughs) you'll be able to pick it out, take it out of the fridge, cut into the avocado, and there you have the magic that is the the quintessential green avocado apparently apparently now don't don't hold me to it it will be ripe to perfection and i don't know what kind of sorcery that is but i'm definitely looking forward to giving it a try myself because i eat enough avocado toasts to where my avocados just need to be ready i can't you know you can't waste time for it to get ripe then you have to eat a different snack and i don't want to do that you know and certainly I can make an avocado toast using different bread, like an English muffin or a piece of white bread. But this week I took it and made focaccia. Yeah, you heard me, focaccia. I hope I said that with a kind of reverence. I hope you say it with a kind of reverence because focaccia, my goodness, some of the best bread I've had in this lifetime. And not too hard to make, not too difficult, but... If you're not doing things right, if you're not, if your ingredients aren't correct, it will not come out the way you need to. So before I get into it this week, I want to, I just want to give you a quick little PSA, a little reminder to, how shall I say this? Check your expiration dates, okay? I don't know if anyone's, I'm sure none of the people listening to this podcast have made this type of rookie mistake, but it happens to us from time to time where you don't check the expiration dates on your milk and you don't check it on your yeast either. And I didn't check my yeast. It was expired, didn't know that. So when I tell you the tale that is this focaccia, when I tell you the dedication I had to making this piece of bread, you'll know why I really had to work so hard, okay? It's just because I didn't check my ingredients. And you should always check your ingredients. Don't be like me, learn from me. Make sure everything's up to date. All right, so peep this. Sometimes when you're making things that you've made more than once, you will take a combination of recipes and kind of make your own, right? And I know for some people, they're like, no, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't take multiple recipes because they have different, maybe different oven temps or bake times, this, that, and the third. And, you know, there's valid points there but like i said when you've done it before sometimes you see elements from one that speak to you more than others and this week i i did that 
Okay, so I took a recipe from a book that I got in culinary school, and I took another recipe from Claire Saffitz. I'm sure many of you know who she is. If you've watched Bon Appetit, or if you own her amazing book, Dessert Person, you will you will love the results you get on this focaccia, and you'll love the results you get on most anything you make. Um, it's a great book. She kind of breaks things up into skill level, so she has her recipes mapped out for easy, moderate, expert level, and then it's, you know, it's breads, it's cakes, it's cookies, it's all sorts of things. So it's not just desserts, but if you ask me, focaccia can be used for anything, for sweet and savory. I think it's great. Um, so I merged the two recipes, right? I whipped out my stand mixer, I'm putting my ingredients in, and of course with yeast, you have to you know, kind of get it to bloom first. Not quite like gelatin, but it, it's got to foam before it's got to start uh, growing before you put it into your your the rest of your ingredients. So I do that, and it's doing its thing. I don't really notice that it's not doing it as well as it usually would because it's still foaming. So I'm like, okay, cool. This this is nothing to worry about. So I take it, I put it in. We're mixing, we're mixing, and then I. I poured it out into a another bowl, another bowl that I had oiled up with a little olive oil and covered it with a towel, thinking, okay, cool. I'm gonna sit this in a nice warm place or better yet, I'm gonna use the bread proofing feature on my stove um, because why not? And it'll double in size. Well, the thing about it is when I stuck that bad boy in there and checked on it, about an hour and a half later, it had not risen one bit. <laughs> and all you could do is laugh because when you're gone doing something else, you think, okay, it's doing what it's supposed to do. The yeast was activated. The dough should be warming up. The oven's on 95 degrees. It's just soft enough. You go in there and I, and I peel back the towel and it's still the same sad looking, not sad, okay, it's not sad, I was sad that it was the same size when it was supposed to have doubled. Um, and I thought, oh my God, what am I, what am I doing? What's going wrong? And it, it still hadn't occurred to me what had went wrong. I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's something with the stove and I need to get that checked on. So naturally my next thought is, okay, heat rises. So what I'm gonna do is take it and put it somewhere taller than me. That's not very hard. So I stuck it up on top of the fridge because I stuck my hand up there and it was warm enough. So I thought, okay, fine. This will work out just fine. Again, covered it back up with the towel and I sat it up there. This time, since I had previously been disappointed, <clears throat> I decided that I wouldn't wait as long. So I went back and checked on it after 30 minutes, thinking, okay, it won't have doubled in size, but it should have increased in size. Let me tell y'all something. When I got back into the kitchen <laughs> and pulled that thing down from the fridge, it looked huh, exactly the same. It hadn't done anything. And I felt so defeated, y'all. I really felt defeated. And, and I, I think that's one of the lessons with baking sometimes. It's just not gonna, it's just not gonna pan out, <laughs> if you will. And, but I needed it to. So I had to keep going. I had to push through. I had to see it through, you know what I mean? So what I did is I took it, put it on a sheet tray, 
and covered it with a little bit of plastic wrap. I said, okay, what I can do is act as if the dough had already, that was the first proof, you know, because focaccia takes two, two proofs. Let's say that was the first one. So I said, okay, I'll do one overnight because what I'm not going to do is stand here and be frustrated. So you can take certain doughs and stick them in the fridge to proof overnight. Because it's cold, it's happening at a much slower rate. So you won't really experience a, a overproof. You won't have an overproofed dough when you're done. So I said, like, cool, cool, cool. I stuck it in there. Go to sleep, wake up the next day. I could say... I was nervous, but I will say that I was giddy with anticipation uh, and hopeful that my dough had at least expanded just enough to fill up the entire sheet tray. Because what I didn't tell you is that it did, took up maybe a quarter of a half sheet tray. Okay, it needed to take up the whole thing, and it hadn't done that when I opened the fridge that morning. It had not done that at all. And I really thought it was a lost cause. I'm not going to lie to you. Um... I was wanting for my focaccia to be rich, buttery, to have rosemary and olives, and it didn't have those things because I saw how it was going, and I had a weird feeling in my stomach that if I had added the olives, because you should add something like that in the, the mixing process, I hadn't done it because I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel right, something didn't feel right, so I said, that's okay, I'm not going to worry about that, so I didn't. Um, but I did not want these, these other ingredients I had put in here to be for not. So I slapped a little olive oil on my hand. I stretched in, uh, the dough out to reach the corners because that's what you would normally do anyway. It'd be much easier if your dough had, uh, proofed correctly, but mine didn't. So we're not, we're not gonna worry about that anymore. You know? So I pulled it out. I put the little dimples in there. I had chopped up some rosemary, so I sprinkled that with some sea salt on top, and I prayed over it, okay? <laughs> That's what I did. I stuck the thing in the oven, and I hoped for the best. And when I tell you that it was a success, you wouldn't believe me. You would not believe me if you saw the series of events that happened, okay? But now, if you walked in and you saw me pull it out without knowing anything that happened, you would say, well, hats off to you, my boy. This looks great. Because it did. It was, it was a nice, beautiful, golden brown. And when I cut into it, oh, but wait, let me, let me not get there yet. Okay, okay. So the smell is immaculate. The smell is incredible. The whole room smells like a bakery when you pull out a nice, fresh piece of baked bread. And I pulled it out of the oven. As I said, a beautiful golden brown. Uh, I put it on the cooling rack just to get a little circulation in there. And I would, I would be lying to you if I told you I waited the appropriate amount of time for it to cool all the way down because who doesn't want fresh bread it's chilly outside and even if it weren't I still want nice hot fresh bread <laughs> okay so I cut into it oof I will show you a picture and if you go to my Instagram you'll see a picture inside was these nice this nice beautiful texture the crumb looked great i impressed myself with with the fact that you know it really shouldn't have turned out because by the time i was baking it i went and checked on the yeast i checked all the ingredients and that's when i found out that the yeast was expired so frankly uh it shouldn't have done anything but it did and i mean my goodness i was so greatly the chew ah the chew was fantastic 
And so, listen, you know, you can take your bread and you maybe you had some olive oil and some balsamic vinegar, a little cracked pepper and salt, and you dipped the bread into that. Maybe you had a little whipped ricotta and you had some of that. Perhaps you took it and you made a sandwich. All these things and more can be done with focaccia, but I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that at all. What I decided to do instead was to make a cocktail because that's what I, that's what I do. And I think bread is a great accompaniment to a cocktail. So why don't we just segue into the cocktail of the day. This week, the cocktail of the day is, is kind of a replicated version. So I, I took myself out. Uh, I had a nice little little staycation. I went on down to Round Rock, Texas, which is just outside of Austin. And I made some me time. Whatever you're doing, no matter if it's a, you know, your anniversary's coming up or Valentine's or something like that, it doesn't matter. Just treat yourself. Spend a little, continue to date yourself. It's an, it, you're going to have a blast, I promise. So I went and I, uh, the hotel I stayed at had a bar. So I went to the bar and they had a drink on the menu called All Shook Up. It stood out immediately because it had Empress Gin. And if you know anything about Empress Gin, it's it's usually going to catch your eye because of the color, right? So it's kind of an indigo violet color. And that comes from the butterfly PT that is used uh, in the distilling process. So butterfly PT by itself, though, it has an earthy flavor and it's, you know so it's the indigo color but when you add certain maybe like a citrus or something like that it changes in color so it it can easily be violet it could be magenta it can go all the way to like a soft pink it just really depends what you're using with it so the empress gin like i said it has butterfly pt and um, the earthy flavors kind of go really well with the citrus flavors that they use this one this gin i would say is very citrus forward there's obviously juniper, but it, it would be less so, in my opinion, than, let's say, beef eater gin. Because you can crack open the top of that and it, the juniper berries are going to jump right out at you. <laughs> you know, you definitely notice the difference, right? So this gin had, or this, this drink had empress gin, lime, agave, and basil. Now, I didn't watch him make it, so I don't know the ingredients of it. But, you know, I... I'm, a, I'm the kind of person who's going to attempt to make something whether I know what's in it or not. So the version that I made had two ounces of Empress Gin, about four to five leaves of basil, three quarters of an ounce of lime, three quarters of an ounce of jalapeno simple syrup that I made myself, and egg white because I just love the way egg white looks on top of a cocktail. So all that really, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? So you'll... you'll Put the gin in first, kind of slap the basil to wake it up a little bit, gently muddle it because you want those flavors to kind of blend in and kind of marry well together with the gin. Throw your lime on top, the simple syrup, and the egg white. You do a dry shake first with the egg white. You add some ice. You shake it again. And then I double strained it over a coupe glass. And it just looked like perfection. It was a beautiful looking cocktail on a beautiful looking day. And I couldn't have asked for anything better than that. I, I failed to mention that the original was so good that I had it twice, right? So that's the reason I had to make my own version. And I, you will, you will just enjoy it if you make it yourself. 
So there you have it. Another great cocktail on another episode of Safety Meeting Food Podcast. I'm Amari Daniel, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.